name is Christina, and thank you for checking into the Home Away Red OCs. This is a podcast where our guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And today, our guest is Bobby. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Good. That's good to hear. As we are as we are rapidly approaching the holiday season and the jingle bells are in the distance. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely starting, starting to uh, cool down quite a bit, quite suddenly. Yeah, my uh, my local radio station has. They're currently running a contest, uh, a contest, not a contest, whatever that is. <laughs> um, they're running a contest to figure out or guess when they will switch over into the Christmas music from their normal music. And every time I hear that that ad, I'm just I have like a knee jerk reaction, which is not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I can't I can't get behind doing Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Like Oh yeah. And this year it works out pretty well because December 1st is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So Yeah. Or at least after American Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, so it works out just perfectly. Mhm. But that's all beside the point. Um <laughs> this is not a podcast about holiday feelings. Uh this is a podcast about OCs. Uh, so who are we going to be talking about today, Bobby? So we'll be talking about my, uh, original comic character, Dr. Warren Eisner, a.k.a. Dr. Nightmare. Okay. Um, before I forget, how do you spell his name? Uh, the, the first name, like the civilian name? Both, yeah. Okay, so, uh, the, the civilian name is Warren. It's, uh, W-A-R-R-E-N. Okay. And then... The last name is Eisner, uh, like the famous comic writer. Uh, okay. Bill Bill Eisner. Yeah, Bill Eisner, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's E I S N E R, and then nightmare is just uh, one word, of course. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I wanted to make sure because there there are times when I have people on with OCs, and I'm like, I forgot to ask you how to spell your character's name for the description. <laughs> so I figured I would ask before I forgot. <laughs> no, no worries. It probably uh, gets more complicated when you talk about like Dungeons and Dragons and like fantasy OCs. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. Sometimes they are, uh, <laughs> sometimes they are surprisingly conventional. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's jump right into it. Um, you mentioned that Dr. Nightmare is from a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh how how long ago did you start like making this comic? Was he a character before he existed in this comic? So, no, not quite. Uh, I mean, I've always been like a really big comic book nerd, as it were, mm-hmm. and you know, I think part of that territory uh, as a fan just becomes like being rich with OC ideas, like the characters mm-hmm. that you want to create. And so uh, also just being a writer, uh, I really wanted to get into comics. And so for a very long time, like uh, let's say right after I was done with college, about 2009, 2010-ish, I really kind of started fleshing out a lot of my ideas. Mm-hmm. And part of that became like this whole universe that I had in mind and Dr. Nightmare kind of grew out of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Originally my universe was going to kind of start to deviate in World War II but then I was like 
I wanted to do something kind of pulpy even before that. Mm-hmm. And I was always a big fan of characters like the Shadow and the Spirit, and so Dr. Nightmare kind of grew out of that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense, because from my perspective, if you're wanting to do kind of more of a noir feel kind of pulp that usually is set around the late, like, set, like 1870s to, like, the 19s. Yeah. <laughs> the 19-teens, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I always, always really loved the idea of sort of like superhero or comic book characters who have that sort of like doc or doctor prefix. Okay. And I think... Sounds cool? Yeah, it just kind of, like just kind of the ring of it when you hear a character like Doc Samson or, uh, can't think of any others right offhand, but like just, just the way that kind of has a ring to the ear. Mm Mm-hmm. So, with uh, that in mind, what is kind of Doctor Nightmare's like history as a character? Like, what's his story? That that's uh, that's actually a really good question. So, I, I suppose like the maybe kind of elevator pitch is uh, during World War One, he sort of falls in love with another uh, doctor in his unit. And uh, they share, like, a little bit of a a tender moment uh, one night after, like, a particularly sort of, like, hard, difficult night. Because, I mean, there probably wasn't much worse, uh, you know, nights that you could ask for on a regular basis than being, like, an army doctor in World War I. Mm -hmm. Uh, Army doctor in Vietnam War, still bad. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just, you're going to be the, you're going to be the the bug on the windshield just the entire time it's there's no such thing as a as a good night right so uh things kind of don't go well with this other doctor because well it's the early 1900s unfortunately society was a very different thing back then and so mm-hmm. uh being gay being an army doctor like if that got out he probably could have been discharged, sent back home, if he was lucky, mm-hmm. right? So he sort of makes the decision to transfer elsewhere. Yeah. And through through that, he comes to learn of this chemical weapon that's being used by the enemy and during the war. Yeah. And it's this uh, sort of like fear gas, this weaponized uh, fear gas. And okay. he's seeing, like, okay, this is doing, like, a lot of damage in really large doses, because, of course, that's, I mean, that's what chemical weapons do. And he decides that in smaller doses, this is something that could be used to sort of, like, make a difference, fight crime. And the reason he kind of chooses to do that is because a uh, a close friend of his growing up, uh, sort of... Uh, uh, mother figure for him when he was uh, younger okay. uh, is murdered in a in a house invasion, a robbery, and he decides, you know, like, I've got to do something when I get back from the war. Like, people shouldn't have to go through this. This is awful. I should do something. And that's kind of where he starts to put two and two together. Okay. What are the kind of, then, properties of this gas? <laughs> 
if it is something that can be used as both a both a terror agent and also as some something that gives him superpowers. Mm-hmm. Well, it, he doesn't really gain superpowers, but he uses it like in the form of a of a gas gun, right? And so what the what the gas can do is it can cause some hallucinations. Okay. And it's just sort of like general like what's your worst fear? That's what this gas is going to kind of like visualize for you okay so it's not that he is giving himself superpowers it is that he is using this technology slash invention to put other people into bad situations yeah to, to to kind of fight against the the criminal element like i i've actually just recently finished uh the first script for this uh, particular comic. Okay. God willing, someday I'll uh, be able to get, like, an artist and actually bring this to life. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he stops, uh, like, a jewel thief, right? Okay. And he's able to use that to get this guy to drop his gun and get him into a position where he can, you know, handcuff him or tie him up or whatever and leave him for the police. Okay. Interesting. Does he... Since it sounds like a lot of his crime fighting is on more of a kind of psychological level, um, mm-hmm. does it ever get? Does he ever like have to do more physical kind of confrontations? Yeah, he does have to do uh, more kind of physical confrontations. Uh, the way I'm dealing with that for him as a character is uh, throughout medical school, throughout college. Uh, the way he basically earned his way was through boxing tournaments. Okay. Uh, He was was earning his keep and paying for his books and everything by just, you know, different boxing tournaments, different, like, uh, just sort of bare-knuckle fighting tournaments that you would have around that time. Okay. So, since he is a... Maybe not what we would conventionally think of as a superhero, but a superhero... Mm -hmm. Um... Is does um, does he have like a rogues gallery or something? Uh, not in the conventional sense. Uh, what I want to do with this character is a lot of sort of what I would call like one and done mysteries. Mm-hmm. Like I still want to have fun with them and kind of create some unique characters, but ultimately they're they're one and dones. Uh, there is going to be a main antagonist. Okay. For because the way I envision this, I envision this as like a mini series, and so the there's going to be a big main antagonist that'll be revealed maybe about like halfway through. Okay. And that kind of shifts the focus. Okay. So in the context of comics, then their conflicts with Doctor Nightmare wrap up over the course of one issue of comic. And then they're just never seen again? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to figure out what the the one and done thing meant. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just sort of like, I I mean, to to use, I guess, like to to draw any sort of comparison, I suppose. Like if you're familiar with old-timey, like, pulp uh, radio shows like The Shadow, for example, a lot of that is very... This is who the shadow is. This is a one-and-done mystery involving this character. Mm-hmm. Right? So it'll all be resolved by the end of the episode. Yeah. 
very serialized kind of setting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Have you given any thought to what kind of people he might be fighting? Uh, just yeah. Out of curiosity. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have uh, some ideas. Uh, the second script I've actually started working on here uh, recently, and that's a mystery that's going to involve a uh, a caveman, and it sort of ties into like uh, if you're familiar with the Piltdown Man hoax at all, it's something similar to that. I'm vaguely familiar about the Piltdown Man. I, I've probably read about it at some point, and just it's not coming to mind right now. <laughs> so the Piltdown Man, for for you or anyone else who's listening to this who's not familiar, was a hoax that was perpetrated back in the, uh, I believe, very early 1900s, where this archaeologist or anthropologist, I, it's kind of confusing which one's which for me, but... Uh, Archaeology is buildings anthropology is people there we go so anthropologists uh basically believed he had found like the missing link more or less Mm -hmm. in sort of the evolutionary chain and it was a big deal this was something that at the time was like yes we can now finally you know this is a huge thing in in evolution and anthropology this is a big find and we come to find out years and years later that i think by the 1950s anyway that no, it's not, and this was just a big hoax. Mm -hmm. It was perpetrated either by the guy who made the discovery or several other people, one of which Sir Arthur Conan Doyle might have had a hand in it. Huh. Uh, That's been up for debate, but it's it's just kind of an interesting, uh, to me, it's kind of like an interesting subject, and it's very much sort of... uh, kind of tied to that time, like the early 1900s, because there was a big, like, anthropology and archeo- like archaeological boom around that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was going to try and figure out, like, for myself, like, what caused that boom? And then I was like, it's probably the rise of British imperialism. Yeah. And, <laughs> and trying to uh, excavate the ruins that they gained access to because of their imperialism. So... Yeah, exactly. Problem solved. Well, <laughs> not really, but question solved. Right. So it's you know it it'll just be like uh, stuff like that. I've I've got at some point I do want to try to do like maybe like a mad bomber story and something else that might do with uh, prohibition. Uh, and those are just some of the rough ideas that I have. Okay. Okay. Um. Let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about like the world of Doctor Nightmare. Like, sure. How how does it differ from the world in which we live at the same <laughs> time frame? Sure. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's Chicago in the 1920s. Prohibition is alive and well, and because it's Chicago in the 1920s, you have uh, a lot of different things going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of. Uh, a lot of that does center around prohibition, things like the the various crime families and syndicates that uh, made their homes in Chicago, Capone. Okay, I was going to ask about Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, uh, Capone, Bugsy Malone, like all of that. It's, uh, it's very much that time period. I haven't mm-hmm. quite figured out, uh, I, I don't know if I want to commit to doing something with uh, those sort of like real people, but... I know, like, I want to do something, at least 
again, maybe one or two stories involving sort of prohibition and organized crime. Okay. Uh, to that degree, because there's there's also like a lot of uh, things happening in Chicago outside of that. You have stuff like you know Chinatown is sort of coming up and becoming its own thing within Chicago, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that's a really interesting time period. Okay. Okay. Um, since obviously there's uh since obviously there's at least one superhero uh in this world. Is are there any other superheroes that Doctor Nightmare associates with, or fights with, or against? That's uh, that's actually a really good question. Uh, no, not during this period because he's going to be sort of the the first okay. in this universe. Uh, there are going to be heroes that come after him, uh, as far as like uh, timeline wise. Like the mm-hmm. the next era would be like World War Two that I would want to explore. And I have my own characters for that, and just, again, like, so on. But uh, there's not really... I don't really have any plans for any, like, other heroic characters like that for him to interact with. Okay. Does that mean, then, that he, at some point, might become a mentor to those future uh, to those future superheroes? That's actually another really good question. Uh, I don't think that is going to happen with this particular character, just because... I have a very definitive uh, tragic ending in mind. Uh, okay. Yeah. That will end the story. Okay. Or at least end Dr. Nightmare's story. Okay. That is, uh, that's maybe a little bit concerning, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's just that, like, I, I have a very set goal with the finality of it. Okay. Uh, and it's it's a very finite story. This is this is not a story that you are wanting to continue past its. I don't want to say like initial run, but my comics terminology is failing me. Like this is not, this is a very limited, like <laughs> complete mini series. Right. Exactly. Like, once it's over, it's over. So the way the way I envision it, like for those again, like who might not be initiated or like like you said with limited comics knowledge, the big two are really good examples of this where. Comic book superheroes, for the most part, exist in this weird way where it's the beginning, the middle, and the rest of the middle. Mm-hmm. And of course, that exists because copyright, etc. Like that's that all ties into Try, it. trying to bring back uh, characters who are beloved by the fans and will sell yeah. a book or two. <laughs> it, like intellectual properties and every like Iron Man's a really good example. Like he used to be a Vietnam era character. That's where everything happened, where he got, like, the arc reactor and everything, and because that exists in sort of, like, a floating timeline, that has to continuously be updated. Well, now he got that, like, in the Middle East through that conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So, for me, like, my superhero stuff, I want it to be kind of more finite than that. So I do have, like, a very specific end in mind to it, but there's nothing that says, like, well, we can't, we can we can't not go back and explore more with this character. We can always say, well, this took place before, you know, that final end. So that's kind of what I, what I have in mind for it. Okay. Okay. Like you can say, well, we know like from here on, this is where the character's end happens. Anything we do with the character beyond that has to take place before that, 
those things. So it can okay. be used as a jumping off point. Okay. Is that something where, like... So aside from the main story that you want to tell with Dr. Nightmare, are there any other things that you would like to, like, spin off after uh, after his... I'm assuming heroic death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't have anything in mind right now, but that's not to say I won't come up with something. Okay. 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 How about um, in regards to the the fear gas that he uses to as not part of his shtick, but as his motif, I guess. Shtick feels too, like, cheesy. <laughs> um, like, where where is it from? Was it, like, created by someone? Did, did he make it? Did he refine it? So, what I'm thinking is... Like, I don't outline this in the first issue or anything, because, of course, you want to try to leave maybe some mystery to the character, and you have to be able to pare things down to uh, a reasonable length in a comic script anyway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, like... I the way I envision it is yeah he kind of at some point is able to to sort of put together the formula for the gas okay. because I mean it does exist like uh, before he starts using it right uh, mm -hmm. but the way I figure it he's able to sort of put it together and yeah maybe he refines it a little bit and makes it a little less uh, sort of toxic in, in some regards because what what he sees happening with this gas is because it's being used in such large quantities, like he's seeing people die from this gas because whatever fear they're envisioning, it's basically leading them into cardiac arrest. Right. Okay. So he's able to sort of like refine it and bring it down to a point where it can be concentrated and sort of administered to a point where you're going to have a bad time, but you're not going to die. Yeah, making it into non-lethal doses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Interesting. So then, is this gas just, like, naturally occurring, and then someone else was was harnessing it? Or is it, like, man-made? I have this idea that it would be... It's not something that's naturally occurring, but it's it, it comes from, like, this sort of, like, fictional flower. I can't okay. think of the name off it right offhand, but there's this uh, purple flower that grows here in Ohio and it's very strange looking. Okay. Uh, it's sort of like round and pokey and Is it like a passion flower or something? Maybe. I don't know. Might have had an image of it saved somewhere. Okay. Let me see. This this can all probably be cut it's if okay. you have to. Uh but I was just going off of my my limited flower knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm not a botanist. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. We're good. Yeah. Like a milk thistle. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Like a something that kind of looks like that. I'll see if I can maybe send you a link. Like I just think it's a it's a very weird looking uh plant. So it would be something kind of like that. Okay, yeah, I see the I I got the picture now. I see what you're meaning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's I, I would okay. think it would come from something that would sort of look like this plant. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it takes that and some other chemicals. I'm As much as I'm not a botanist, I'm also not a chemist. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did very poor in chemistry in high school, uh, but uh, it would, you know, it would just be, here's this plant, this chemical occurs in it, and we're going to do stuff, we're going to science it up, and boom, mm-hmm. fear gas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I also did not, uh, I also was not a fan of chemistry when I was in school, <laughs> so uh, it it's probably, there's probably some kind of gibberish that if you wanted to be if you wanted to be realistic you could probably hire an actual like chemist or like a chemistry student or something yeah to uh, come up with but probably some kind of element of like distilling it into its essence and then like amplifying it with other other various chemical compounds <laughs> right <laughs> it just works because it's a MacGuffin and that's what the story needs so it's like I, I just want it to come from a bit like I do because the character utilizes like it is a pulp character, so the costume is uh, his costume is somewhat limited uh, yeah. visually, like aesthetically, because you don't like pulp characters aren't really, you know, they're not like Batman or Superman or Captain America or anything where they yeah. have all these bright colors and like you know like tights or anything. Pulp characters are very sort of I don't know if practical is the right word, but like not on, on the grittier side of things more yeah. More in line with, like, the Mad Max kind of costume of using existing elements. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So his costume is very limited in that regard. And I wanted the colors to kind of speak to where the chemical comes from a little bit. Okay. So his his costume in that regard, like, he, he wears this sort of, like, modified gas mask that's mm-hmm. sort of, like, white and kind of like a faded or aged white like burlap and it's uh sort of shaped to have a little bit of a skull appearance mm-hmm. and then the rest of the outfit is you know just just a suit right okay. uh, just like a regular like black like nice suit and then like a purple sort of like shirt under that like a button-up shirt and mm-hmm. some gloves and that's about it uh maybe a fedora okay but I mean, it's it's not like a, a like I said, a very fancy costume. Mm-hmm. What other questions can I answer? Um, what uh, what does he look like outside of the mask, or separate from his like costume identity kind of a thing? So when I was envisioning this character, uh, I wasn't thinking of like a big sort of like strong person. Uh, I was thinking more of somebody, like, kind of, I'm I'm trying to think of the right word here, uh, sort of like on the leaner side, and I kind of gravitated towards Cillian Murphy. Okay. So, like, you know, dream casting, that's who would play this character. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Cillian Murphy is a gorgeous-looking man, personally, and uh, I just like the way... He's the the angles in his face and everything like that's what I want this character to look like. Okay, okay, interesting. Because you already you already covered how he looks, uh, what his actual costume looks right. like. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. So that's yeah, that's uh, about where I'm at with what he would look like outside of the costume. You know, he's uh, he's a little bit on the on the wealthier side. His father was a. Uh, something like an investment banker, something like that. And so okay. he, he does very well for himself. And so, you know, normal 
just walking around. It's, again, very sort of tailored, nice, upscale for that time period. Okay. Okay. Does he continue in his medical practices? Does he keep his day job while he's also doing the crime-fighting element? So, I think so. Like, he kind of has moved into more of a consulting sort of physician kind of role. Like... Mm -hmm. Uh, More private practice? Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, We're not, like, I don't want to focus too much on that. It might be used as sort of like a plot point to maybe get him from point A to point B if the story calls for it. But Mm -hmm. it's not something that's going to be, like, the main focus. Because while this is ultimately a pulp character in a pulp setting, Mm -hmm. this is kind of more of a little bit more of a romance story, too. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so that's that's sort of the direction that we're going with it. Okay. Uh, does that include him? Uh, does he find romance with the doctor that he'd previously worked with, or a different? Uh, different different character. Yeah, it's okay. a, it is a different character. Uh, the doc, the other doctor that was mentioned, like that's supposed to be a, a very good moment, and I'm very proud of how how that turned out as far as writing goes. But ultimately, that character just sort of exists in that one flashback. Uh, Okay. The character that he comes to have feelings for is his best friend. They've been best friends since childhood, and he doesn't quite know how to articulate that to his best friend. Okay. So what about the, what about his best friend's name? What is, what is his name? What is, uh, what does he do? Does he know about the Dr. Nightmare thing? He does like he doesn't know any of this about him. Uh, his best friend's name originally was going to be Quentin, but I've actually, yeah. within the last couple days, I've changed it to Oscar. And his best friend, I'm not quite sure what he does yet. I think I'm going to turn him into a reporter. Okay. okay. Because what I want his best friend to be is kind of like nosy to the point where he can get into trouble. Yeah. And that can lead to some moments between those characters. And so a reporter profession might get that job done. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know those or, nosy reporters. <laughs> if you if you want to do something a little bit different than a reporter, he could just be like think about like a health like a health and safety inspector kind of a thing. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. That, yeah. That's if I learned anything from watching Agent Carter, it was that inspectors can go anywhere and do anything, and then also get into trouble. <laughs> they can simultaneously do everything and not everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I might actually use that. That's very good. I like that. Go for that... it. No, no, no <laughs> trademarks on this on this character <laughs> concept. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, Oscar is this character that he's known since they've, like I said, since they've been kids, and, you know, he comes back from the war. He's actually the one who breaks the news to Warren while he's away uh, for the war that, hey, you know, so-and-so died, and this is how it happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's, they they know each other, they're very close, and that's kind of going to factor into that tragic heroic ending uh it's probably a trope by this point but i mean i like that personally 
that's kind of one of my favorite tropes. Like, so. what, the the trope of the tragic heroic ending, or...? Uh, sort of, just kind of like the, the tragic heroic ending and the, you know, uh, sort of, I guess, like, Han Solo kind of ending. I love you, I know. That kind of thing. Okay. I'm curious to hear how this gets, how this will end up being uh, <laughs> shown and finished, I guess, um, partially because, like, something that uh, has been on my mind since you mentioned his tragic and presumably untimely death is the barrier gaze trope, <laughs> which uh. is uh, which is something that I, I realize can be done well. I'm just, I'm personally very wary of that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really, uh, that, that's, that's a very good point, and it's actually something that I I want to try to avoid as a writer, like as a creator, because I know it's a hurtful trope. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Uh, being by myself, like I know how hard it is to A, find good representation in media, and B, like, get to that point with a character where they don't do something dumb and mess it up. Like like you said, the, the barrier gaze trope. And mm-hmm. so... While this character is going to ultimately meet, like, a heroic, tragic ending, I do have other characters in this same universe that are going to be, you know... uh, Actually, that's going to be one of my uh, characters in the sort of, like, Bronze Age, the 60s and 70s. I have an Mm -hmm. idea for a couple who are superheroes, and they are... uh, It's a lesbian couple. And one of them is going to be... I might, I'm kind of on, like, I haven't really fleshed them out too much, but uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be, like, there There will be some sort of inevitable sort of, like, superhero crisis as uh, is want to happen in superhero universes. And yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to be the ones who make it out alive. They're going to be the ones who make it out unscathed and okay versus everybody else involved in this. Okay. So. That's kind of, like, my way of trying to avoid that. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense, and if that's... Uh, I don't know if that's, like, a step in the right direction. Like, I, it's hard, I think, sometimes when you're a creator to to kind of avoid those tropes as much as you might, like, want to, because... Yeah, and I, as, as, a, as a creator myself, I realize, like, tropes are not necessarily a they're not necessarily a bad thing that must be avoided at all costs because exactly tropes are tropes are oftentimes the building blocks in which a story is built like you know there's the there's the trope of the the hero protagonist yeah and there's there's the trope of the evil stepmother or whatever and they don't necessarily like like you don't you don't have to try and like write around them but it's important to recognize which ones are bad and need to be and need to be avoided or subverted or something in which ones are good but still need to like be examined as time goes on that kind of a thing yeah absolutely absolutely uh, so but that's because i have that ending with this character like that's ultimately where it's gonna go like he he has to the the main antagonist uh and it, I mean, if you want to talk about like the story and stuff, I'm I'm happy to uh, to some like I don't want to necessarily like spoil something, but I mean it's yeah. it's yeah. probably going to be years before this ever gets made as a comic anyway. 
Uh, so the the main antagonist is this uh, professor, okay, uh, named Dexter Aranye. Okay, and he's very much an intellectual villain. He's a couple steps ahead of our hero by the time he's revealed. Okay, and his whole thing is like. The, the big plot is he's engineering a disease that he wants to release to the world and sell a solution. Because... Okay. There's, there's Fighting not... Fighting big pharma. That's pretty much it, right? Like, yep. Because uh, there's not... the times. <laughs> yeah, there's not much uh, more things evil in this universe than just creating a problem, selling a solution, and under the guise of, like, healthcare and everything, right? So, like, uh... God, healthcare is just awful in this country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, deep yeah, side. Yeah, that's, that, that's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's his goal as a villain, and so what's gonna happen is Dr. Nightmare is gonna put a stop to it, but they're both gonna, they're both gonna go down. Okay, okay. And hopefully take the formula for this for this evil yeah. uh, for this plague with them. <laughs> Although that would be a good like story hook to pick up on if you wanted to keep that in. Yeah, it's I, I haven't like for the most part, other than like passing references like in you know in the future in this universe, like a lot of what happens throughout this particular I guess like uh, sort of idealized miniseries is very self-contained i think uh it's gonna be while it takes place in the same universe really a lot of what kicks off sort of like the superhero boom in my universe is going to be world war ii and what happens there but that's that would be a subject for for another guest opening okay okay um before i forget the question that i had wanted to ask was um does dr nightmare have any kind of support team as his, uh, in his superheroics, or just, like, any confidants that he can talk to in his civilian life about this kind of a thing? Or is he uh, a loner hero who only, who has very few personal connections? He's, he is very much, uh, you know, a lone wolf TM. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he, he doesn't really work with a lot of anybody, just because of the the nature of what he's doing, and sort of uh, again, just like his personal life, it's something that at that time would have been very close, uh, eh, closely guarded, uh, okay. is what I was trying to say. But uh, I do have a uh, butler for him, uh, okay. and I'm thinking his name is going to be Tennyson, and he's sort of a confidant, you know, he knows uh, that uh, Warren is Dr. Nightmare, and he's also sort of a... Uh, liaison for him and just uh, whatever might need done because that was kind of the other thing like uh, about uh, sort of being uh, queer in that time period uh, is that it wasn't really talked about it was those were again very closely guarded secrets at that time and oftentimes what you had Mm -hmm. uh, between people were sort of like liaisons or fixers or whatever who you could say I want to 
go out like with this person, can you help us get that arranged? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's Tennyson's kind of going to fill those those different roles. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so um, without without spoiling like too much, unless you want mm-hmm. to, um, what are some of your favorite plot points that have happened with Doctor Nightmare? Favorite things that he does. Oh, I really like that question. Uh, so I think one of my favorite plot points is just the origin story, like the entire first issue script. I'm very. Uh, very proud of how that came out and how that turned around because that's one sort of, especially in comics anyway, that's sort of one of the tropes that you run into with any sort of LGBTQA characters is that oftentimes the reveal for their sexuality or who they are is done very kind of schlocky, very like, oh, what a big, what a big shock, right? Like they mm-hmm. use it for uh that kind of appeal and I don't like that's not something I've always kind of been mm-hmm. personally comfortable with because having it be a point of focus as opposed to a more natural reveal. Yeah, exactly. Like it it's great to have representation and everything and and that's really important and as somebody who's like studied comic writing through the different uh uh books on that uh that are out there stuff like uh how to write comics by uh, Peter David, the DC uh, comics writing method by Denny O'Neill. Like one of the things, like your goal as a creator in comics, as mm-hmm. a writer, as an artist, whatever it is, is you want to keep the reader wanting to go to the next page, and yeah. you want to reward them when they when they do do that. And that's why, like, shocking and exploiting stuff is such a a big thing in comics because it's what gets your readers through the book at what what keeps them interested yeah uh so i wanted to try to avoid that with my characters mm-hmm. uh just again because a more natural reveal feels like the the right thing to do and it's just it feels better right so like i was very happy with how that turned out because it was a little bit of a slow build between him and this other doctor through this flashback yeah and it's just kind of one of my really favorite moments, like there's uh, to to sort of set the scene, you know, they're working uh, on a field unit or whatever you would call it during World War One, and they have just gotten in a whole a whole mess of uh, soldiers who have been who have had the worst of it, right? And you know, anybody, I mean, even today, like, working in the medical field knows that you're putting in some long hours. And oh, yeah. Sometimes you're just going to have, like, just an entire crap day where just nothing goes your way. And that's kind of what this is. Like, yeah. they they get this incoming surge of, of injured soldiers and just everything that can go wrong is going wrong. And Warren has just been beaten up by, by the environment, by the, the day, and he's... He gets to a point where he's just, he's done with his shift, he's finally ready to just let his shoulders down, and he goes, he goes back to his bunk, and it's, you know, it's dark, uh, and 
we see him and he's there and he's just he's just beside himself with how awful he feels just this sort of mm-hmm. like sinking pit feeling in his stomach and all he wants to do is just cry i mean it's about all you can do right yeah really and so you know we're we're seeing this and this is all unfolding kind of like in the dark and in the shadows and the moon's out and uh this other doctor comes in and we just see him sort of like slowly kind of walk up to warren and put his hand on his shoulder and sit with him and then they share a kiss and that's all it is so (laughs) so i'm i'm very proud of that like that's Mm -hmm. something i was very happy to write and it just it felt so natural and good to kind of like put that scene in there okay before i forget uh here is a plea for uh health services everywhere uh let let people have shorter med pay people better for shorter for shorter medical shifts. <laughs> Absolutely. As as someone uh who has relatives who work in the medical industry, mm-hmm. it pe- people who work in the medical industry need to be paid better for so that they can work shorter shifts and still get to keep their standard of living because they deserve it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have relatives in the medical field as well, and it's just, it's, it's very. It's I, it's punishing. Yeah, I think the, that's the, the only amount of word. shifts that people have to work. Yeah, I mean, when when you tell somebody like my average day is a sixteen-hour shift, that's punishing is the right word for it. Like, yeah, if if there was a union for medical workers, even just like extending to nurses and technicians and intake people, like I I imagine that the unions would be quite upset about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anybody, you know, who works in the medical field, I can guarantee you they don't make enough for what they do. Oh yeah. Well, unless they're a plastic surgeon (laughs) and then, or any of the more cosmetic kinds of medical doctors, then they might be okay. But I mean, there, there is a such thing as too much money. If oh that, yes, yeah, that's that's also a thing. That's very much so a thing. Yeah, but again, that's probably a subject for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. There's. I'm sure that if if you are interested in learning about wage inequality, there are many podcasts that are almost certainly on the top of the iTunes charts or whatever that you can listen to that would be more than happy to tell you about that. But that's not my field of expertise or interest, so <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so uh, has Dr. Nightmare made it into any other works that you've done? Showed up as a character in any kind of a game or something? Uh, No, like I haven't. I mean, I do do uh, some tabletop. Uh, a lot of that, uh, when I get the opportunity, like I've done stuff uh, with Pathfinder, for example. Uh, and then I do uh, Pokemon tabletop semi-regularly for my show Pokemon Mind and Body. But those characters are... Like, I haven't found myself in a position where I do any, like, superhero tabletop where that character would be yeah. appropriate. Uh, so... Uh, the short answer to that is no. Okay. <laughs> I know that I am someone who tends to recycle concepts sometimes. Yeah. I'm trying to fill in a world like, oh, and 
and and past you walks the high school version of this character that I made several years ago, and you don't know who they are, but I do, so I make myself happy. <laughs> yeah, like he's like Doctor Nightmare. Like like I said, like he, I haven't really had the opportunity to use him in any of those uh, other kind of settings or projects, uh, and he's not uh, he's not ve- like a self insert character in some regards, not that there's yeah. anything wrong with self inserts, but that's not who this particular character is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me look through my list. Um, was there anything that you wanted to talk about before we go into the last question for today? Um, uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, I would just say, uh, if, y'all get a chance uh and you're interested specifically in what i'm doing with my comic stuff uh you can follow me at space king comics okay uh actually that that is something that we can tie into in the wrap up (laughs) as well very that's that's fine okay so then your last question for today bobby is uh why do you love dr nightmare so much there's a lot of reasons that i love this character because it's it gives me a chance to i think unrequited love as like a plot point is a very uh again it's it's kind of sort of like a trope but it's one that i i really enjoy mm-hmm. and uh there was a while where i was going to maybe try to work out some uh, sort of like, not quite sure how to, like, some past relationship issues through this story kind of turn it into, like, more of a yeah. cathartic project. But ultimately, I decided that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but I still think that there's a really good story to be told. And I just, I love the the visuals of sort of, like, just color aesthetic of, like, blacks and purples as, like, being associated with uh, dark and fear and okay. just general spoopiness mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I love the idea of that that time period when i was growing up uh i mean i'm sure you probably won't find a lot of 31 year olds who uh listen to the shadow radio program but uh i'm i mean you might be surprised the internet is a strange and wonderful place <laughs> right uh, you know but uh, I had, uh, I, I think it was my, my grandmother who introduced me to it, and uh, I had a lot of those just uh, back when cassettes were a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I would get a couple of those from Walden's, uh, Walden Books, Yeah. Uh, here and there, and I fell in love with just that idea, that sort of like spooky character that's also also you know like a good guy and mysteries and and i've always been a big fan of that so uh that's why i love this character okay that's a very good answer well thank you (laughs) uh okay so in that case uh thank you so much for coming on the show today bobby thank you for having me i'm glad we could uh get it worked out yeah yeah i'm glad that i find i'm I, I will I will mention this as well in the outro, but I am going to get better about checking my email. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Believe me, as as somebody yeah. who runs three separate uh, podcasts, and that, I don't say that to sound like, 
braggadocious or anything, but, like, I get it. Like, I know it can be hard to keep track of everything. Yeah. It'd be easier if uh, my my phone let me have more space on it instead of, you know, <laughs> shovelware so that way I could actually put more things on my phone. But right. <laughs> that's not up to me, and I don't feel like hacking my phone. <laughs> but Yeah. So anyway. It, it's a good way to turn it into a brick very fast. Yeah, no, I'm not going to brick my phone. <laughs> um, so, phone res- phone stuff aside, uh, <laughs> where would you like to be found on the internet? Uh, do you have anything that you want to promote and or plug? Ab- absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned, I do a couple different things. You can find me personally. I do run my own personal Twitter, at SpaceKingBobby. And to that end, you can follow my comic stuff at Space King Comics. I also host uh, three podcasts, Nerd Fixed Strangers, mm-hmm. where we talk about just comics, movies, professional wrestling, video games, what whatever general nerdy things we can get ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, uh, I also host the Wrestling Time Machine podcast, where we watch, uh, you, you know, of course, Sky Ertle. Yeah, uh, and his show uh, failed pop culture. Uh, we do something not dissimilar. We go back and watch a lot of old wrestling and dissect it and riff on it and have a good time with that. And then okay. uh, mentioning Sky again, we uh, Sky is also a part of Pokemon Mind and Body, a Pokemon tabletop playthrough podcast where we go through an all original region and go on a Pokemon adventure. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, all of these shows can be found at nerdfictstrangers.com forward slash listen. Got it all written down on my post <laughs> I know it's a lot, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's uh, this, is, this is mostly for my own memory, so that way I don't have to worry about listening. Like, I don't have to worry about comprehending the audio when I edit this tomorrow. (laughs) I can just listen to it for the sake of the audio itself and not the content. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, In that case, the Hellfire Red OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. It can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pippa, Stitcher, and wherever else you can listen to podcasts. And if Wayward isn't there, then get in contact with me and I will work on getting it there. Uh, our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter at WaywardOCPod or through the WaywardOCPod hashtag. You can also email us at WaywardOCPod at gmail.com. Uh, and I am currently good on guests for the rest of 2019. Uh, so I will be getting in touch with people relatively soon, uh, to talk about 2020 guest spots, uh, but feel free to send me an email or a message on the, on the Wayward Twitter account, uh, and we can talk about at least getting you on the guest list, if not scheduling out an episode, an actual episode. Uh, and as of course, this is a podcast and it is always incredibly helpful if you can rate and review us on your listening platform of choice. And it's always helpful to subscribe and to uh, tell a friend because those help us to find more guests and to brighten more people's days. So thank you all for listening. This has been the Home for Overdoses and we hope you enjoyed your stay.
aside from Dr. Nightmare's like main story, the main series that you are that you are like that you have in your <laughs> Let me let me do another take. <laughs> Welcome to Very Random Encounters, where we play tabletop RPGs and randomly determine as much as possible. Remember playing with Legos and swapping the people's heads and limbs to create horrid abominations that God forgot? Our show is what it would be like if those rejected attempts at the human form had to go out and save the day. We turn the nonsense into a story with a nice message, like how friendship is stronger than a mind-controlled goblin jazz band. Hey, that's a thing that really happened. Find Very Random Encounters wherever you randomly determine to listen to podcasts.